Welcome to the Urban to Country Podcast, a collection of inspiring and edifying conversations with amazing people. Our conversations cover everything from hunting and conservation, to mindful living, to how to be a good human. Basically, all the good stuff. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Urban to Country Podcast. On this week's episode, I sit down with Gray Thornton of the Wild Sheep Foundation. This is a really interesting conversation. We cover a lot of different information about uh, what the Wild Sheep Foundation is, what their mission is, and we talk about a threatened species that is truly fascinating. So sit back and enjoy my conversation with Gray Thornton. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Urban to Country podcast. We are at the Bozeman Conservation Convention in Bozeman, Montana, and it's been an awesome convention so far. A lot of great speakers. I'm here with one of the guest panelists that was in the discussion about uh, how do we balance wool growing and wild sheep, and that is the Wild Sheep Foundation President and CEO, Gray Thornton. And great, thank you so much for making the time. I know you got a, a busy day. Really appreciate you coming on here. Yeah, uh, you. I appreciate the opportunity. Great to uh, talk about wild sheep conservation, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about wild sheep foundation. Yeah, maybe you could introduce yourself to our guests. Tell us your background, where you came from, how you got to be the in the position you're at now. We'll roll from there. You know, it's interesting because I'm. I don't come from a. I'm a. I'm a hunter, an angler, a conservationist, a fly fisherman. Uh, I, but I didn't come from a hunting family. Uh, grew up in, in central California near the coast in Palo Alto, a little below San Francisco. Um, neither my mom or dad hunted, but for whatever reason, it was innate uh, in me. I started fishing as a, as a young boy, and, and I, think, I think I must have got introduced to hunting just from buying Sports of Field, Field and Stream, and Outdoor Life magazines and reading about fishing. My folks had divorced when I was five years old, so... Um, you know, a lot of what I did in the outdoors, I had to learn on my own. Gotcha. So, um, you know, I, I guess I don't come from that traditional traditional side. But long and short of it, um, you went to college in California. I got a business degree. Um, had a uh, I was working for Xerox Corporation, and I had a client of mine that was a hunter. And I said, Hey, man, can I uh, can I ask you a favor? I'd love to take you out to lunch. I want to learn how to hunt. And I'm out of college. I'm 22, 23 years old. That's cool. And I just had this great mentor, and he taught me conservation principles principles, hunting ethics. He and I later became hunter safety instructors and tried to pass that on to uh, to young and old. And uh, it, it got me into a, uh, a space that's just been fantastic. I turned my passion of the outdoors and hunting and angling into now a career. I, I worked for Safari Club International in the 90s. Uh, Dallas Safari Club in the um, the 90s and early uh, early 2000s, and I've been the president and CEO of Wild Sheep Foundation for 11 years. Now focusing in on um, an iconic uh, big game species that um, people love to hunt, people love to watch, and all of us lo- love to conserve. Absolutely. Do you ever think about what would have happened if you hadn't put yourself out there and asked him to go to lunch that day? Oh, like how how different your life would be? I, I mean, it, it, it's, that's such a great question, and I do all the time, and I'm so grateful for that mentorship. 
um, you know, I, I worked for Xerox, and I love that company. And no disrespect to the company Unisys, but I was recruited over to what was then Burroughs. Okay. Burroughs merged with Sperry and became Unisys. And, and for five years, I hated life. Um, <laughs> it just wasn't me. You know, it, it, yep. it wasn't a good fit. And so I, I think back then, if I, if I hadn't left Xerox for Burroughs and then for five years hated life, I wouldn't have been sitting in my office in Bakersfield, California, going, what the hell am I going to do with my life as a, as a, you know, a 30-some-odd-year-old guy? And, uh, and I was reading the Safari Times magazine from Safari Club International. They're looking for a chapter development coordinator. I go, gosh, I've started an organization in California called Valley Coalition for Constitutional Rights. Uh, you know, I'm an activist, if you will. I'm, I'm passionate about the outdoors. I'm passionate about, um, um, you know, some of the rights we have as, as citizens of this great country. And and it, it led me into a career that I've been in for 30 years. And, and I'd, I'd never look back. But yeah, I, I thank my lucky stars for a man named Daryl Amble who took the time to sit down at lunch and say, yeah, I'll take you under my wing. And, and then what I've done is pay it forward. I've, I've introduced hundreds uh, of youngsters into hunting and angling. Um, uh, you know, family members that uh, have reached out to me because they said, look, you know, we, uh, we know you have an interesting story and didn't come from a hunting family and yeah. uh, neither are ours, but our kids are interested. So really cool. That is very cool. And I think about all those lives that have been affected because of that one decision that you yeah. made. Amazing. I mean, not, not just the, the people that you've mentored, you know, one-on-one, but all the people that have benefited from your work with Dallas Safari Club, uh, Safari Club International, and now Wild Sheep Foundation. Uh, that's that's you know it's always interesting to see how the world turns on a dime I mean, yeah it's just, it is and, yeah. and you know the uh, of where opportunities come from and if we keep our eyes open um you know there's a, a friend of mine that you know said i use it i use it from a hunting standpoint too is luck is where opportunity and preparedness come together i love that and uh, i do too you know because yeah. it, it is just so true that you know keep your eyes open uh, you never know where the next opportunity uh, can be, and 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 then keep your, you know, your your mind open to seize that opportunity. So I got fortunate, and it's been a great career path for me. I'm 57 years old now, and you know, I'll uh, I'll, I'll stick in this industry. That's incredible. Well, we hope you do because you're doing great work with the Wild Sheep Foundation. Could you give us? Uh, I know this is a lengthy history, but you know, distill down the history of the Wild Sheep Foundation kind of where it started and, and what it what the mission has been yeah and and, and and i think i can narrow it down and do you know a, a few a few minute <laughs> segment here but um you know bottom line is um wild sheep and let's let's there's from a wild sheep standpoint we've got argali in asia and old world sheep and new world sheep new world sheep in north america uh, came over from asia on the land bridge uh, uh, you know we're now alaska uh, but we basically have four species of, of wild sheep in North America. The thin horns, which is the doll sheep, and the stone sheep. Doll sheep are in Alaska, Yukon, uh, Northwest Territories, a little bit of northern British Columbia. And then the stone sheep, which is the gray sheep. It's up in British Columbia, a little bit in the Yukon, although science is now saying it's just in British Columbia. And we have the bighorns, and there's various flavors. There's the Rocky Mountain bighorn that most people are aware of, the desert bighorn. And then there's some kind of splitters off of that, the California bighorn. Um, but bottom line is, um, you know, let's take bighorns, for, for instance. When Lewis and Clark made their way west, 
It's estimated that there was one million to two horn, two million bighorn sheep in North America, okay. Canada, Mexico, United States, uh, of those three flavors. You know, the Rocky, the California, and the desert. Um, by the 1960s, 1970s, we had reduced that population of one million to two million down to twenty-five thousand. How did that happen? Well, uh, you know, sheep taste good. <laughs> um, so we market hunted them, uh, you know, to, to near non-existence. Um, and then primarily um, there is disease uh, that comes from pathogen transmission from primarily domestic sheep and goats to wild sheep. Okay. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we, as we brought in millions of domestic sheep into wild sheep range, we competed for the resource, their, their, their groceries, you know, yeah, grass. Right. Um, but we also introduced uh, pathogens, which, which caused pneumonia, all-age die-off, low lamb recruitment. So, you know, now you've got this iconic species that's down to only 25,000 in the 60s. You know, we've heard the adage, at least in our hunting and conservation community, of it pay, if it pays, it stays. Um, you know, if, if a resource has value, um, you will conserve that resource. I, uh, you know, I, I heard it in another way. There was a, I think it was the executive director of the National Bison Association says, hey, if you want to save something, eat it. That's yeah. why we have more chickens than bald eagles. That's right. Um, so, you know, using that same adage, um, wild sheep just didn't pay their way. There weren't enough wild sheep in the states and provinces, you know, the states of Mexico and the United States and the provinces of Canada uh, to pay their way. There gotcha. weren't enough license fees and tags that would, would encourage a state, provincial, or tribal agency to focus on bighorn sheep restoration. Uh, so organizations popped up, um, one of which was in 1977 the Foundation for North American Wild Sheep, which is 2007 we changed the name to Wild Sheep Foundation. Gotcha. And the idea was to um, raise money. Uh, through you know the, the the banquet auction kind of you know program, and then also use special permits and tags, which raise an incredible amount of money, um, to then bring to state, provincial, and tribal agencies to incentivize them, also through advocacy, to conserve the species. How do we conserve them? How do we how do we increase and enhance the populations? Primarily, trap and transplants. We gotcha. take um, surplus. Uh, rams and use from populations that that can handle an offtake from a from a transplant standpoint, and move them into areas where you know either suitable or historical habitat that we extirpated them from. So uh, there's been about twenty four thousand bighorn sheep moved in about 1,200 actions since the 1940s. Wow. Uh, and that is now why we have 85,000 bighorn sheep in, uh, in North America. So it's a, it's a conservation success story, um, a threefold increase. We've got a ways to go. Um, but I think what's important for your audience is, is there's a, several examples of unendangered species. You know, we look at the what we did in North America to our wildlife, we decimated the pronghorn, we decimated the white-tailed deer, the mule deer, the elk, the turkey, the, you know, ducks, geese. We, we, we brought some species to extinction. But in the early, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, through visionaries like Teddy Roosevelt and 
um, and others and uh, the foundation of, of kind of the North American Wildlife Conservation Model and organizations like the Boone and Crockett Club, uh, we, we created this conservation ethos or the North American Wildlife Conservation Model where we started funding agencies to repatriate animals. We started a, a, f- a funding mechanism and a hunting ethic that says this isn't an inexhaustible supply of animals, right. and we've been able to bring these animals back. Well, one of the greatest examples, uh, other than probably wild turkey, is bighorn sheep. Because quite frankly, if it wasn't for the hunter conservationists, uh, that individual that has such a passion for the bighorn sheep resource, we wouldn't have the money to give the state, provincial, and tribal agencies to bring these, mu- these animals back. So yeah, uh, it's just a classic example. Yeah, of of the hunter conservationist who is passionate about a species, um, of of helping bring back a species. Well, and to me, it's such a great success story because it's such a delicate species. Sure, um, white-tailed deer, pretty hardy. They can yep. survive. I mean, they, people have documented them in the the strangest of places. Bighorn sheep need specific habitat. They need disease-free environments, and so I think you're spot on when you say it's a conservation success story because it's truly bringing a, a, a such a delicate, fragile uh, species back from the brink, and, and now they're they're not where we want them to be, I, I don't think, but they're doing better than they've been in a long time. <coughs> yeah, you know, a threefold entry, uh, increase, but, you know, it's interesting. Um, one of our conservation directors, a guy named Kevin Hurley, has a, has a kind of a funny funny statement he says you know damn bighorn sheep they're born (laughs) looking for a place to die (laughs) and uh, you know if you look at this species that lives in some of the toughest environments in the world and can eke out a existence you know why is it that they're so damn susceptible to pathogens that that can you know cause uh pneumonia and and die-offs and and um you know, Wild Sheep Foundation spent millions of dollars in disease research, and as we discussed on this panel, it was a great panel because it had wild sheep interests and domestic sheep interests uh, working together yep. uh, to come to you know win-win solutions, and and that's what that's the only way we're going to move move this forward. Um, but you know, we've spent so much money on disease research. And it seems, as I pointed out on the panel, it seems that every time we think we're going to find the silver bullet or uncover that rock that's got the answer, there's five or six or ten more rocks underneath with five or six or ten more questions. So the science is evolving. Uh, We know there's an issue, um, uh, you know, demonstrative issue. Uh, but what's good is as, as we e- evolve the science and learn more, we're finding newer ways that we can we can work together. And so, um, you know, this was a great uh, this was a great uh, panel today. It was a great uh, discussion where, you know, what we did is is said, look, we're we're going to acknowledge there's a problem between domestic sheep and wild sheep, uh, but the only way we're going to come to a solution is by working together um, in a collaborative way that can um, enhance wild sheep foundation or, or wild sheep populations while while keeping uh, comi- keeping domestic producers on the landscape. Yeah. And one thing that really caught my attention as I've come to know the Wild Sheep Foundation is your ability to collaborate. I mean, we're sitting in the Sitka booth 
right now and we should thank them for letting us use their comfy chairs because otherwise we were going to be sitting on folding chairs um so thanks to them but even more so you guys have collaborated collaborated with them on a lot of things you've collaborated with a lot of other folks how have you been able to develop these collaborative efforts that have led to your success um you know everything's about relationships and partnerships um you know the wild sheep foundation is a, is an organization we're a membership based organization but um we call it the wild sheep family and I like that. um we we treat we we treat each other as family we've got very diverse interests within the foundation we've got ranchers we've got farmers we've got you know environmentalists we've got hunters we've got a few uh, non hunters um, Sitka Gear is is one of the uh, partners that we have in our industry that really takes conservation seriously. Um, they are the official sponsor of the Wild Sheep Foundation. They provide us a very uh, a very large uh, uh, grant every year uh, to help us do uh, our work. Um, you know we love their products we've got there's you know there's great camel companies out there uh we support them all it just seems that sitka gear is always at the forefront of when there's a need uh for some uh research or if there's a need for uh, a particular project sitka gear jumps in and says hey we've got the financial resources to help you out so yeah. you know sitka puts their money where their mouth is uh the event that we're at right now is two percent for conservation yep. um you know give your time talent and treasure to uh to conservation conservation and you know time and money equals doing something good yeah um sitka gear rocky mountain egg foundation and wild sheep foundation were the founding partners of this concept of two percent for conservation so um you know we were pleased to to participate with another ngo rocky mountain elk foundation which is an exceptional organization uh, but once again, pleased to see how Sitka Gear, it was a Sitka Gear employee that came up with the concept. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Sitka Gear was right there saying, hey, we're going to put our money behind one of our employees who's got a concept that we think can benefit the entire industry. And then so doing, benefit the resource that we all depend on, wild fish, wildlife, and wild places. Absolutely. So if people want to get involved with Wild Sheep Foundation, what are some ways that they can support your mission and become advocates for Wild Sheep? You know, and, 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 uh, I was waxing poetic about everything else. The purpose <laughs> of the Wild Sheep Foundation is put and keep wild sheep on the mountain. Yeah. Um, you know, the translocations that I talked about, that was our initial emphasis, putting sheep on the mountain. There just weren't enough. Um, as we learn more about the, the, the pathogen transfer uh, disease issues and disease outbreaks and, and, and the like, you know, our, our emphasis is also keeping them on the mountain. Uh, but how can you get involved with the Wild Sheep Foundation? We've got chapters and affiliates throughout North America, and we've got uh, an affiliate now in Kazakhstan. Wow, that's uh, Central very Asia, cool. we've got an affiliate in Austria. Um, membership is only 45 bucks a year. You can go to wildsheepfoundation.org, O-R-G, and, and join online. You can make a tax-deductible contribution. Uh, what, what's interesting is, is how we're... We're a pretty small organization from a footprint standpoint. We've got about 8,100 members. We cast a very long conservation shadow. Yes, you do. Last year, Wild Sheep Foundation put $5.6 million 
into wild sheep conservation, education, advocacy, and restoration. $5.6 million. That's incredible. $23.7 million in the last five years alone with a little old membership of 8,100 <laughs> members. You know, if you do the math, that you know, around, it was 7,900 when I did this math. We've, we've been growing. You know, that's about $700 per member. So here you got an organization that you can join for 45 bucks, whether you're a sheep hunter or not, and support wild sheep conservation. You get a beautiful magazine. Uh, but your money, you know, that 45 bucks, we turn into $700 for every member of putting and keeping wild sheep on the mountain. So pretty, uh, pretty neat, neat opportunity. And for those aspiring sheep hunters out there, um, back in 2013, we, we started a, a club within the Wild Sheep Foundation called the Less Than One Club. I'm so glad you went here. That was my next question. You know, and, yeah. and it's just... Uh, back then, I had a graphics designer named Justin Phillips. He's he's now started his own company. He's just he's the m- most brilliant logo designer I've I've ever seen. But uh, and we support him greatly. He's, he, we're his biggest customer. But Justin and his brother and a couple other folks were sitting at a bar in Reno, Nevada, after one of our uh, after one of our banquets uh, at our annual convention. We call it the Sheep Show and. And I know there was some rum and coke or some whiskey flowing <laughs> around, and you know, you know how that can get the creative yep, juices going. Absolutely. But uh, you know, Justin and his brother Cody and a guy named Chris Kamak were were talking, and they were, you know, saying, "Yeah, oh, there's this one more for four that Sheep Foundation does. If you got three sheep, we're gonna, you know, give away the fourth. And what about those of us that haven't taken a sheep? What about those of us that have have, you know, that have less than one sheep? Yeah. And he came back to me, and he goes, "Gray, we were, you know, we were." drinking heavily we came up with this <laughs> this concept you know less than one and so he and i chatted and it was kind of less than one club and then i said justin you come up with a logo we'll build a program and so he came you know u- using the less than symbol and one and then club great black and white cool logo that just yeah. pops and then we created a program that if you know if you're in the less than one club you haven't taken a sheep yet it's a $25 fee. We'll give you a cool f- T-shirt. Oh, by the way, you need to be a member of the Wild Sheep Foundation. But we're going to enter you into a drawing to send you on your first bighorn sheep hunt. Or, or I mean, at that point, it was it was a stone sheep, but, you know, your first sheep hunt. And, the, you know, the caveats are you, you have, you know, you cannot have taken a big or, or a wild sheep ram up until that point. And so then I started this thing called Kicked Out of, you know, the, the less than one clubs, the only club that you join you want to get kicked out of. Right, yeah. But that has been the biggest membership driver of Wild Sheep Foundation since since 2013. It's a young cadre of, of you know, uh, aspiring sheep hunters. We do a beer reception at our Reno convention on Friday afternoon. Uh, last year we went through 35 kegs of beer. Nice. In about oh an hour and a half, two hours. That's a party. Oh, I tell you what, it's 1,500 people fired up because we're going to give away three or four doll sheep hunts or wild sheep hunts to someone that has not yet gone. And so it is so flipping fun, and, and you see the energy in the room where, you know, the, uh, the sad thing about sheep hunting is it's it's a it's a young man or woman's leg and lung game mm, yeah. with a more mature man or woman's pocketbook unless you draw a tag through a state provincial or tribal lottery right uh, or win a raffle 
or as we're blessed in Montana to have, we have the unlimited areas where there's unlimited number of tags, but a quota on the sheep in a few in a few units. So uh, the less than one club's a way that we can we can send that aspiring sheep hunter on their first sheep hunter and get them kicked out of the less than one club. So yeah, really cool program. Super cool. And there's a really great video on YouTube on your YouTube page called Kicked Out. Yeah. That if people want to kind of get the the down and dirty on the program, they can go watch that video you follow along on somebody who uh got the hunt and you follow along on the hunt it's just really good great and uh yeah that was that's how i became aware of the program uh, right video. so you know there's there's a little bit to that story which is which is pretty cool and and um a guy named riley pearson he uh he i think he lived in billings and he's now living in 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 uh in arizona but riley riley's a pretty uh passionate unlimited hunter Mm. And, you know, as I said, in, in Montana, there's a number of units, there's three to five, kind of depending on the year, where you will draw a sheep tech. Uh, but the success rate's about 2%. And Riley had been watching a ram in the unlimited area for a couple of years. Riley got on that ram and missed him. And, you know, you know, us hunters know that if you say you've never missed, you probably never yeah. hunted. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know how far away he was, but, you know, Riley's an ethical hunter and, you know, he's, I think he was 160, 170. And I said, what happened, Riley? He goes, I, you know, I just, I just pooched it. I just flat out missed. <laughs> I went, oh my God. It was a beautiful ram, full coral ram. So anyway, Riley had told me this story and he goes, ah, you know, he's still on the mountain. I'm going to go get him next year. And so Riley is not kicked out of the lesson one club. So I am in our Lesson 1 Club reception, uh, I think it was 2016, 2016-2017, uh, and, um, and we're, we're about ready to do the drawing. Everyone's been drinking beer, having a good time. <laughs> we do little raffles for bucket raffles for things. But now, you know, we're getting to the money shot. You know, we're going we're gonna to do the drawing for, uh, for the sheep hunts. And we had three doll sheep we were going to give away. And the first drawn, how, how we have the rules is the first drawn, you don't have to be there. You don't have to be present to win. Okay. And then the second and third, you do. Gotcha. So anyway, you know, it's getting to the point now that everyone's there. I mean, they, you know, they, they don't want to lose that opportunity. So, again, it's a great driver of people to come to the Sheep Show Convention in Reno. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm on, on, on stage and you know, get, we're getting ready to do the drawing and Riley walks by. And he looks at me and he goes, pull, pull my name, man. <laughs> you know, and I chuckle, you know, and he's, he's, he's uh, hanging over with some buddies, drinking beer. And, you know, I think they had a pot load of beer in them. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're kind of joking on, okay, we got to get somebody in this room that can draw these tickets. Right. And so there was this young, young gal, you know, I mean, five, six years old. But okay, you know, there you go. She's not in the drawing. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll use her. And so we tell her, you know, dig deep and dig around and turn your head away. And she does, and she's in the tumbler. And she pulls out this, this you know, one ticket, which was great. And she hands it to me, and I look, and it's freaking Riley Pearson's no way. name. And I went, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I look at it, and I went, wow. And I said, all right. I said, this, this person's here. And you, I said, I, you hear that in the video. You do. Yeah. I re I redid it for the you know redid it for the video. Yeah. And Adam Foss uh, did just a fabulous <laughs> job on kicked out. But so you know I'm, I'm looking at it and I said uh, you know is there anyone from Billings Montana in this room? 
He's got to be losing his mind at this and, point. Well, Riley Pearson from Billings, and so is Cody Phillips, Justin Phillips' brother who created the concept, Cody and Justin. <laughs> and, and, and Cody's going nuts thinking, oh, my gosh. It's you, me. I got it's, this. It's me. It's me. There can't be anyone else from Billings, Montana here. <laughs> and, and then, you know, I look at it. I said, is there anyone from Billings, Montana that missed an unlimited ram? last year and riley went batshit i mean it, it you know and it's so cool you know if you go to that you you know our our web page and, and our youtube channel and, and look at it uh, a guy named peter munich who uh who, one of one of the founding uh, employees of stone glacier and he's the executive director of rocky mountain goat alliance uh picks up riley and he's twirling him around and you can see the photo and it's in the movie or in the film where, you know, Riley's got his less than one club cup and he is sloshing beer yes. you know, around a 360-degree circle of people <laughs> who are all cheering for him. Just going, yeah! You know, so, it, it, you know, it's really cool. It, it, That's you know, cool. Here, you know, everyone wants to win. Yep. But everyone is so excited when someone does. So you know, I mean, that's yeah. that's the beauty of that program, and we're you know we're we're turning aspiring uh, sheep hunters into sheep hunters. In this case, uh, you know, Riley had a fabulous hunt up in the Northwest Territories with Ganna River Outfitters. He got a beautiful ram, uh, and it's just a great story. It, it really tells a little bit about the club and and what we do and about the Wild Sheep Foundation, but. It really, it really shows the essence of sheep hunting. It really does. And that video is a great exposure to your organization, the camaraderie that is, as you called it, the wild sheep family. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if you haven't seen anything of Adam Foss's, I mean, that video, he did such a good job on that. And the guides, Rachel. Yeah, Rachel Attila. Attila. So, yeah. you know, female guide. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it's a cool, it's a cool film. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, it, it gets the point across of what the you know what the Wild Sheep Foundation is about, what the Lesson One Club's about. But you know, as I like to say, it really is the essence of sheep hunting. Yeah, and you couldn't have picked a better ambassador than than uh, Riley. He's yeah, a good yeah. guy. So I know you got to go. Just wanted to say thank you so so much for coming on. This has been a real pleasure to have this conversation. And again, folks, go support the Wild Sheep Foundation. They're doing amazing work. Any final thoughts you want to leave with the folks before we end? You know, I, I mentioned, um, you know, one thing about these special permits. You know, the, the North American Wildlife Conservation Model is a is a egalitarian model. And, um, you know, as people know throughout the West, there are these special permits that uh, governors or, uh, you know, ministers of their, their state of province give. Uh, and they, they have Wild Sheep Foundation. For the most part, there's other organizations that do it, some of our partner organizations. But Wild Sheep Foundation is kind of the marquee marketer of these special permits. Um, you know, and what am I talking about? Well, you know, in the state of Montana, there is one auction tag and one raffle tag, and then the rest are lottery, lottery tags for bighorn sheep. That auction tag and the lottery tag, you can hunt anywhere in Montana. Uh, most people go to the Montana or the, the Missouri River breaks where, you know, land of the giants. Yeah. Um, in 2013, Wild Sheep Foundation sold that tag, which is an opportunity, not a guarantee, an opportunity to hunt a bighorn sheep in Montana for $485,000. Wow. $485,000. What happens to that money? 90% of that money goes back to Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks to fund their wild sheep restoration programs. That's that whole concept I talked about of wild sheep didn't pay their way. Now through this special permit process, they are. Yeah. 10% uh, goes to the Wild Sheep Foundation, which we turn around and spend in Montana anyway. 
Some states, Arizona, Nevada, 100% of the money goes right back to the agency. And it's really interesting. We did a study in 2014, 74% of all wild sheep conservation dollars going to state, provincial, and tribal agencies come from those tags. So uh, we sell them in Reno. Uh, it's an opportunity to, to get a tax deduction, which is interesting. Uh, for, for some people that have high net worth, they get to be put in the front of the line. That can be controversial, but the bottom line is 74% of all the revenues that states, provinces, and tribes depend on to restore bighorn sheep comes from those. Yeah. And, you know, the little pat on Wild Sheep Foundation's back, more than 40% of all state, provincial, and tribal agency wild sheep restoration dollars come from one organization. Wild Sheep Foundation. So once again, we we, we may have a fa- small permit, uh, you know, footprint yep. as a uh, as a as an organization with eighty one hundred members, but we cast a very long conservation shadow. And it's because of the altruism of our membership. We've got the finest membership in the world, the most giving, great sponsors, great donors. You know, sponsors like Wild, uh, like Sitka Gear, Stone Glacier, Mystery Ranch, a lot of lot of others out there. Kuyu, uh, First Light, but just you know, great industry that supports wild sheep restoration and supports Wild Sheep Foundation. Yep, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. It's uh, it's a good family to be a part of. And uh, thank you again. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your knowledge and your story with us. And folks, go sign up for a membership with the Wild Sheep Foundation. Maybe you'll get kicked out of the 1% club. I think that'd be pretty cool. (laughs) Right on. And, uh, yeah, we'll have the links to everything we talked about in the show notes. And until next time, safe travels. Hey, friends, me again. Just a quick reminder that if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you prefer. See ya. See ya.